guys. <laughs> oh, do you know, I'm really excited about the Word of God this morning. Who, who's excited about the Word of God? Do you know, I absolutely love it when God brings confirmation of what you're speaking about in so many different ways. And um, through the prophetic words that we've had through here in, in the worship this morning, I believe God it just has got something amazing that he wants to speak to us this morning in church. And um, we're continuing our theme um, this morning called Kingdom Builders. And I've got the great privilege this morning of speaking on your kingdom come. Isn't that an exciting isn't that exciting topic to be speaking on this morning? Um, so our scripture today is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And if this is your first time in church today, or if you've been here a hundred times in church, everybody, I'm sure, will be familiar with Matthew 6. And because it becomes so popular, and we know it probably as the Lord's Prayer, and um, so we're going to be just exploring this a little bit today. And I had a unique kind of experience this week. Um, I was obviously preparing for, for Sunday over the last week or so, and I sent my, um, my themes to Steve on Friday, and then we went to the Love Southwest on Friday night. Who, who, was, up, who was at Love Southwest? Cool. It was brilliant, wasn't it, as Steve said. And um, those of you that were there will know that the entire worship service was actually based around the Lord's Prayer. And, um, you know, and so I was really excited about this fact. Here I had been preparing the word for today that focuses on the Lord's Prayer. And I got to spend two and a half hours on Friday nights just worshipping around the very theme that I was going to be speaking on on Sunday. How many of us get to do that in their preparation time? So I said it was a two and a half hours, so that gives us a bit of a guide as to how long we've got to go through it. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. We won't be doing it for two and a half hours this morning. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. But seriously, I think God has got a word in season. Becky spoke some words of pro prophecy earlier. That was pretty similar to what I'm speaking on. When we were praying before we came into service this morning, you know, we believe that this is a time and season. That there's not a single person here that is here by accident. Every single person in this room is here because God has appointed you to come today to hear a word from his heart. So whenever I speak, it's over to God. So I just, I just give it over to God now and say, God, will you, will you fill my voice with your words that speak directly from your heart to your people, Lord God. Give us ears to hear what it is you want to say um, and, just, and just pour yourself out amongst us, we pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to start Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles. We're going to start in verse 5, and the first, the first, um, I'll read it, and then, so, uh, so, it says, in, starting from verse 5, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret re will reward you. And when you pray, do not go on babbling on like the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so my first theme, uh, my first uh, point this morning is that the kingdom of God is authentic. So Jesus makes a really strong statement here, doesn't he? He says, don't be like the hypocrites. <gasps> Don't be like the hypocrites. So I, I looked this up, and you know, to be a hypocrite is to be so, somebody who's kind of false, kind of makes themselves seem better than they probably are, 
um, you know, they, they act all religious or maybe they, they live their lives in contradiction to how they speak their lives. That's what he talks about. That's what kind of the, um, the, the word of a hypocrite is. And Jesus is saying, don't be like hypocrites. I'm sure many of us, <laughs> we all like to be seen, don't we? <laughs> you know, we live in a world that values importance. It values status. It values success. It values all those things. Um, but, but Jesus, obviously, is, is speaking of, of, a different, of a different virtue here. When Jesus refers to uh, the hypocrites, he does it later on in the book of Matthew as well. He says, he says this about them. He says, but you have neglected the important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And that's, so that's what Jesus is bringing in that context of those hypocrites. Um, and I think this can be the case in some of our lives sometimes where... Yes, we've, we've experienced the forgiveness of God. Our faith is, sometimes our faith is built on foundations of, of, of rules and shoulds and achievements and, and then ultimately failures because we're human. And so we can sometimes yo-yo around in church and in our Christian walk. We can yo-yo from, you know, being, being really up spiritual on a Sunday and then perhaps throughout the week we live our lives in the way we want to live them as opposed to the way that God... And then on Sunday, we come back and we're full of faith, and then we suddenly we go... For, we kind of go through this cycle of that, and that's what Jesus is referring to here. Well, maybe we've got caught up in just doing church. I mean, Becky was speaking the word this morning. It's not about just what we do on a Sunday. It's about living out that throughout our life, throughout our week ahead. And, um, and sometimes we separate, and, and I'm guilty of this. I'm speaking to myself, right? So don't take this as anything other than that. Sometimes we, it's easy to separate our church life, uh, from our work life, our family, and, you know, our friends, and actually we can almost live, we can compartmentalize our lives so that we've got, you know, church bit that we do over here, and then there's our, our other life that we do over here, and that's what Jesus is trying to, to bring something better into our lives um, by not being that hypocrite. He wants us to be genuine and authentic in our Christian walk um, when we walk with him, and, and I was thinking about this, and I think that 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 genuineness of, of our Christian faith starts by grasping the true picture of who God is and his love for us as his child and the understanding that it's not about religion, it's not about rules, it's not about all of those things, but it is about relationship with God. It's about relationship with God. It's not about just we're doomed to failure if it's always about rules and religion, but it's about relationship with him. Let's look at those words again. Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. God is a loving Father, and he wants to know you personally. He wants to know me personally. He wants to pour his love into our lives. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. Um, he wants to, to be that loving Father, and he's got the very best for you. It says, close the door and pray to your Father. It describes something really intimate, doesn't it? It describes a very close conversation. How many of you are fathers here, and your child wants something? Would you know what they wanted if they didn't actually come and ask you? I bet, I bet Isaac says to you, Daddy, please can I have? But he doesn't do it from when he's at school, does he? Because you wouldn't be able to hear him. He comes close to you and says, Dad, Dad. And that's what it's, this is what God wants us to do through this in terms of coming close and recognizing that he is our father. It says, close the door. It means to shut out all of those distractions, to shut out those things in our lives 
the busyness of life, to take time in conversation with God, to take time just being able to speak with him and to not have him being some distant being that, you know, the world would say, oh, God is like in the ether. He's in the atmosphere somewhere. Nobody knows where he is. God's passionate about each and every one of us. He's passionate and he desires relationship with each of us. In 1 John 3, it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This morning, we are children of God. We are not just some orphans that are left there. We are children of God. And, um, and, it, and I was thinking about this. It wasn't the act of public prayer that Jesus was saying was hypocritical, um, he, but it was the motivation. When the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your minds, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So authentic Christianity is not about a set of rules. It's about a relationship with the Father. And it's about a relationship then with other people. It's about sharing that love of grace of our God with other people that are around us. And, and so sometimes it's really easy to do the work and to, you know, I'm an accountant, so numbers are my thing. So one plus one equals two. It's really fixed and really sort of sound. And um, so sometimes when there's a clear plan, I'm a planner as well. Is anyone else here a planner? I'm a planner. I want to know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. And so, you know, but so that's what, that's kind of why I, I am. So sometimes it's really easy for me to follow a pattern, to follow, there's some, there's some rules here, you know, the boundaries that we set for that is really easy. But that's about sometimes that we'll, we'll do this and tick box, we've achieved something, tick, we've achieved something. But that's not what God's looking for. God is asking for something harder this morning from each of us than following rules and just and following all of those things. He is asking for our hearts this morning as his children, as his hearts. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. So be authentic. That's, that's my first point. Uh, moving on to verse 9, my second point this morning is the kingdom of God has authority to carry out God's will. Anyone believe that? Well, let's see what it says. Let's what it, see what it says in the word. It says, verse 9, this is then how you should pray. Now we're getting on to the Lord's Prayer bit. This is where it becomes really familiar to everybody. Okay, so we're going to go there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's such an amazing verse, really. We're going to unpack that a little bit this morning because there's so much in there of power this morning that we want to go through. So firstly, let's look at what it means to ha- hallowed. What's that? It's quite an old-fashioned name, isn't it? Hallowed be her name. What does that mean? Well, it just means in the kingdom of God that we start by acknowledging who God is. That's our premise. That's what our foundation. Is. Everything that we do acknowledges is that God is holy, He is awesome, he is sovereign, he is magnificent, he is the ruler of all, and we honor him. That's what we've been doing through our worship this morning. We've just been bringing honor to God who is our sovereign God in heaven. But even in the acknowledgement of God's supremacy, even in that, there's a reminder from Jesus in the Lord's Prayer that says, God is our Father. We start the prayer, our Father. Wow. Wow. Anyone excited about the ruler of the universe, the master of all things, being your father? God, 
Doesn't that make you feel like you're something special this morning? And so that we're in this, we're in the family of God, and He is our Father. And so when we pray for the kingdom of come, uh, kingdom of God to come, we're really pledging allegiance to God's rules um, and His His kind of locating His life and and unfolding His plan in, in our lives. So we are acknowledging that we we surrender to His supremacy, but as a Father, and we say. It says here to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to live now in the light of our defining destiny that he has created as part of his kingdom. And sometimes I think we forget who we are in God. Um, and that's what I want to explore us a little bit this morning. Uh, and we heard a bit from Becky's word this morning that sometimes, you know, I- in this statement, what we're saying is that we're setting aside our own self-motivations, our own desire for self We're setting that and we're saying, God, I want to surrender to your will. Because your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We surrender to the will of God in that. So let's consider this morning what the will of God is. So sometimes I think um, when we pray and ask God for a miracle, um, we can sometimes immediately caveat our prayers by, by, by using words like, God, if it's your will, will you please heal Fred? Sometimes we're caveating the power behind that. Of course, we pray in accordance with God's will, but sometimes we can devalue the power of what God's will is that comes from the knowledge of what his will is, and that is what we get from Jesus, and I think what Jesus is emphasizing in Matthew 6. It says in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Very truly I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So if you effectively think about the fact that Jesus, when he was on earth, he was actually copying what he saw his father do in heaven. That that gives us a different lens and a different perspective on understanding a little bit about what God's will is for us. Because we, we absolutely have to place Jesus as an example, living out as a perfect representation of God's plan and revealing God's will to us here on earth. If we believe that, yeah? That's what it says there. Jesus only does what he sees his father doing. That's what, he's, that's what he says there. So what did Jesus do? Well, he went around healing the sick. He restored the sight to the blind. He set the captives free. He indeed was revealing through all of those acts what, what God would do. He's revealing what God would do. And he paints a picture for us about what heaven could be like in terms of the, the way that Jesus went around restoring the brokenhearted, bringing life to people. And, um, and God's king, if, if, if God's kingdom's going to come and God's will is going to be done on earth, then we need to understand this, that, we, um, that we, this, is, this is the will of, fa- of the Father because Jesus is painting that picture for us. So if Jesus' life did really, truly reveal the word of God to us, then we start to look at Matthew 6 slightly differently. So maybe it sounds a bit like this. Father, I know that it is not your will for all of this pain, this brokenness, the sin, the destruction to exist around us. I know that it is not the way that it is in heaven. I know that you want to usher heaven into our earthly existence down here. Your will is not for this pain that we see. It's not for the hurt and destruction. 
It is for your will, it is for goodness, it is for life, it is for healing, it is for salvation. That's the will of the Father. So, God, use us in order to bring your will, in order to bring heaven down to earth. Of course, there are elements of God in his supremacy that even Jesus didn't know about. I mean, for example, Jesus didn't, doesn't know um, any of us know the time of his second coming when he's going to return again there are things that only God knows and God is still sovereign and he has a sovereign plan and um, you know that, that's going to come no matter what however God, God's will on earth and how we live out our lives is revealed through Jesus and Jesus loved people and Jesus accepted people and Jesus served people and Jesus healed the sick and Jesus set the captives free Jesus gave his followers instructions to go and do the same, and he gave them authority to do so, and then he sent the Holy Spirit in the same spirit that lived in Jesus, now lives in us, that spirit is upon us and dwells in us to go and do the same. So Jesus has given us authority in the same way, given us authority in the same way to carry that out. We will be familiar with the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where it says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me Therefore, you go and make disciples in my name. In Luke chapter 10, it says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So we've got this authority here. So when we pray, we need to pray with expectation and with faith that comes from knowing what God's will is. God's will is not for pain. It is not for sickness. It is not for destruction. It is not for conflict. His will is for healing. It is for life. It is for breakthrough. It is for salvation. That is his will, and we have the authority in that. Often, through fear, we profess that we're waiting for God's will to be revealed soon. God, if it's your will. But we know what God's will is. Maybe we don't feel prepared. Maybe we feel the risk of disappointment, you know, when we pray with boldness. There's a risk, isn't there? There's a risk in that. Maybe we've lost sight of who our, what our identity is as Jesus is, in Je- through Jesus and the authority that he's given us. You know, God confirms our identity, and I think God wants to confirm your identity here this morning. You are sons and daughters of Father God. You are sons and daughters of Father God. He has written it forever in his word that you have been given the authority to carry out his will here on earth. Each and every one of us has that authority. Last Sunday, Pastor Ian spoke a brilliant word, wasn't it? He spoke on the providence of God and how God prepares in advance everything we need and, um, and I believe that there's something in the Lord's Prayer that, that Jesus is confirming here our role to play out God's will unfolding here on earth. Because, you know, God's laid it out and set those things in, in place for us. But we've got a role, haven't we, in that. We don't just sit here in our church on a Sunday morning. There is a, there is a role that God has given each and every one of us to play out in order for God's will to be done here on earth. It's going to happen through you and I. Because we are, his, we are his children. We are the ones that are following what Jesus started. We are following that same way that Jesus started and the example that Jesus gave, the authority that Jesus gave us to continue the work that Jesus started to see God's will here on earth. 
God's given each and every one of us a role. He's given us the authority. He's given us approval, his approval. He said, I send you out to bring the kingdom of heaven right down here into our earthly existence, to the people that we meet, the places that we go, that we can bring the kingdom of God into that earthly existence. And understanding your role and acting with the true authority that you've been given through Jesus Christ makes all the difference as to whether we will actually have, see his kingdom come. Whether we will actually see his kingdom come into the lives of our friends, whether we will see his will be done in this city that we serve in, whether we will see, you know, people come to know Jesus, whether we will see the miracles of God here on earth, you know, our role in that and understanding our authority and our willingness to say, God, here I am. Will you use me to bring heaven to earth? Will you use me to bring your kingdom to earth that your will might be done in this city, in our lives, in everything that we do? Let's not miss that opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, you might say there to me, oh, but Anita, I've been praying for something for such a long time and nothing's happened. I've not seen anything. So I'm talking about praying here in the will of God with the boldness and the authority that comes from that. And you say, but, but I've been praying for something for a long time and nothing's happened. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that Elijah sent his servant seven times up to check if there was signs of rain. And every time he came down and said, no, not this time, go again. And he came back and said, no, not this time. Seven times he said to go again. So keep praying, keep faith, keep expecting that God will, will deliver and that's what happens um, when in, that, in the example of Elijah. You know, when, when we were praying for Tony's cancer to be healed, you know, we were praying every day. We would pray every Sunday when Pastor Steve says, anyone need prayer? Tony's straight up there. It wasn't just a single time that we were asking God. We know God has healed him, but we keep asking and we keep praying and we keep expecting with faith that God is going to bring that because we knew that it was his will to heal him, whether by a miracle, whether through treatments, or whether by ultimately giving him a new body when he got to heaven, <laughs> right? He healed him, praise God, he healed him miraculously, and we give thanks to God for healing and removing that cancer in Jesus' name. And this is an example of that. You know, there's no sickness in heaven, and Jesus brought healing to earth. There is no death in heaven, Jesus brought people back to life and brought life into people's lives and beings here on earth. There is no poverty in heaven. Jesus fed the hungry when he was on earth. There is no conflict in heaven. Jesus brought peace on earth. And in the words of Jesus, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go and you do the same. That's an example that Jesus set for us there this morning. So, my third point this morning is that the kingdom of God has all the resources to meet our needs. So, in verse 11 it says, give us today our daily bread. Now, there are unfortunately some people in some places in the world where through war and conflict and, and famine, there are people that rely on every day food agencies coming in and delivering their food to them on a daily basis. So they don't have any other way of sustaining themselves. Most of us, praise God, do not live 
in those extreme circumstances that some people do there. And I'm sure there's not many of us that would like to eat, live on just bread. I, I like bread, personally. A bit too much, probably. It's not that good for you, is it? But I don't think I'd want to live on it all day, every day, as the only source of food. So, you know, but in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus isn't referring to simply bread or even simply food, but in everything that we need for this day. It recognizes our dependence on God, yeah? And in fact, it's so instructive that we listen to those words. It says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say, give us what I need next week. Give us what I need in a year's time. Give us what I need in three years' time, which would be very nice because I'm a planner and I like to see things that far ahead. But it says, give us this day, this day, our daily bread. Lamentations um, says his mercies are new every morning. In, in chapter 3 of Lamentations, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to the Lord. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And Jesus, through the Lord's prayer bit here in Matthew 6, is reminding us of the importance of recognizing our daily dependence on God. So every morning, we can pray and ask God and believe that he will be faithful to meet our needs for that day. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. It says, pray to ask God today. What is it I need today? When I walk into my office place at work, God, what is it I need for today? When I walk into a family situation that's difficult, when I walk into that doctor's appointment and I'm expecting news, what is it I need for today? You know, that's what Jesus is saying, what you need for today. And, um, you know, and believing in faith. The, the Israelites, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years they lived in this daily act of faithfulness that God would provide what they needed for that exact day. And God give, gave them what they needed every, every day. And when people were greedy and they tried to store up more than what they needed, what happened to it? The manna, it spoiled, it rotted before they could even use it. They didn't need it. And God said, you don't need to store up what you might need in a year's time because I've given you today, and that's all that you need to be focused and worried about. God taught the Israelites to trust him each, ev each and every day. And I think there's a contrast here to our modern lives that we live. Our modern lives teach us, you know, we have, we have unfortunately in society, we have many that are, live their lives in gluttony, and others that live in complete poverty and famine and destitution. And um, I was thinking about how Jesus' words use, they're a plural word, where he says, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't just say, give me today my daily bread. Thank you, God, that I might go on and have my day, and it's all brilliant. Thank you very much, God. It says, give us, there's plural here, give us, give our daily bread. It's not about just me. So there's an act in here about when we maintain go good relationships with other people, there is an act here about whatever God gives us, we share. We can share that with others, can't we? We can be the generosity of God in other people's lives um, through living out that, that, praying that God would actually just give us as collective 
everything that we need. And, you know, I think if, if, if our governments and if our businesses and, and everybody that plays out on earth actually followed the principles of the kingdom principles here of give us our daily bread, I bet that poverty would be a thing of the past because we would all be in the interest of each other as fellow human beings and not just in the interest of ourselves, which the world teaches us to do. The heavenly kingdom principle here is not about give me what I need. It's about give us what, I, what we need collectively to share with each other. And bread is also a th- symbol of the word of God. And we know that the word of God is Jesus. And we also know that Jesus is also referred to as the bread of life. And, um, and Jesus makes a way and connects us to the fullness of God and everything that God has for us. And he reminds us um, through Matthew 6 to keep on praying. Bread, if you think a bit about the word as well, keep on reading our word. Keep on exploring what the promises of God are as they have been written in the word They are promises that are laid out there and be praying that God will be faithfully giving us what we need each day, not just food, not just for sustenance, but for every single thing that enables us to live a faith-filled, godly life for Jesus Christ, playing out his role, his destiny in our lives here on earth. We pray that in the name of Jesus, that God's promises, you know, I think think there's something really prophetic. about praying and and the promises of God into our and over our lives you know and when we know what the word of God says about our lives we can we can pray and we can speak those prophetic words over our lives and that comes from knowing and reading the word daily and and being able to just speak in the name of Jesus those words over our lives that we will see his faithfulness unfold for each and every day that we need it and Philippians 4:19 says and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. And um, there was something I was thinking about this. It doesn't say, I'll meet some of your needs. Jen, I'll give you a little bit of what you need, but you'll have to wait until a little bit later, maybe. You might come up with something later. Is that okay? It says, I will meet all your needs according to what? His riches in glory through Jesus Christ revealed here on earth. Come on, I hope this raises your level of faith and expectation this morning. So my final point this morning is that the kingdom of God brings forgiveness and freedom. We pick up in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when you sin, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You know, there is no unforgiven or unforgiving people in the kingdom of God. There are no unforgiven and no unforgiving people in the kingdom of God if we're living by this kingdom of God principle. For all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is that Jesus is the light of the world. He has risen from the dead and he has come so that today we can receive God's love and his forgiveness into our lives. If you've not received Jesus, not experienced the love of Jesus, there is hope today. The Bible says these words, if you confess with your mouth that that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the free gift from God 
because he loves us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for making that way for us. Some may wonder why believers who are forgiven of their sins need to ask God to forgive our debts. So you might say, well, I've asked God into my life. He's forgiven me of my sins. I've gained salvation. That, that's great. So why do I now need to ask God to forgive us our debts on a daily basis is what Jesus is referring to in his prayer. And the truth is that we believe that when we, when we believe and we accept Jesus, of course, we are reconciled to God and we are accepted by God as his children. He is our father. However, we live in a world, an earthly world, and we live with an earthly body, and we live as human beings. We're not perfect because we are being perfected, ready to be, we only be perfect when we have our new bodies in heaven. So we are, we're living in this world which exposes us to temptation, to sin, to, to all sorts of things on this earth. And, um, and, and Jesus knows that, and that's why he's saying on a daily basis, ask God to forgive us our debts. If we claim, John, John later in, in 1 John explains this and kind of addresses it. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I think in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is emphasizing that our continued request for forgiveness is not about reconciliation with God but for the purpose of maintaining a healthy relationship with God as our Father. Because he wants us to come to him each day and to have relationship with others as well. When Jesus goes on to say, as we forgive others who sin against us, he do that in that same way that he's setting. So is Jesus saying here that forgiveness is conditional on our need to forgive others? No. Quite frankly, no, he's not. The Bible's really clear that God forgives our sin and reconciles us to God through his grace. And that is the act of Jesus Christ, that Jesus did that. Nothing that we can do can earn that grace. That is freely given. It's a freely gift of God. But actually what he is saying here is that if we neglect to say, um, if we neglect the opportunity to live in forgiveness and to forgive others when they hurt us, what we do is we, we risk the closeness of our relationship with Father God. Because he is a God of forgiveness. He is a God who forgives. He forgave me. He forgave you. And, you know, if Jesus can forgive and God can, can forgive us for all the things that we do, then surely, 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 if we want to have a heart that is a kingdom heart that is like our Father, remember Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. If we want to do the same, we're going to have to live in a place of forgiveness of others as well. God wants us to live in freedom. The devil wants to separate us from God. That was his plan right from the very first sin when he convinced Eve to partake of the forbidden fruit. That was the devil's aim, to separate us from God, to drive that wedge and that relationship that we would have with God. But, you know, here's the good news. Right from that very moment, God had made a plan we talked about God's positioning, his will. He had made a plan to reconcile us back into full relationship with him. And, um, you know, everything was determined at that point that set in motion those events that ultimately led to Jesus' death and resurrection and the life that that brings us. 
um, in that moment. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This demonstrates that God has control over our tempter. He has the power to save us if we call on his name. So each day when there are difficulties, God has the power. He's already overcome the enemy. He's already victorious. And in our lives, he has the power to overcome that if we ask for his help. Deliver us from evil. We don't need to live in darkness. We don't need to live under the control of the enemy. Today and each day, we can call on our Father God, who has control over the evil one, and say, God, will you deliver me? Will you deliver me from temptations? Will you deliver me from addiction? Will you deliver me from fear? Will you deliver me from anxiety? Will you deliver me from depression? Will you lead us into a life of freedom and goodness that you have for us? So, are we kingdom builders here this morning? Do we truly say, your kingdom come? And let's be authentic in our Christianity. Authentic with our relationship with God and recognize it's about relationship with him, it's about relationship with each other. Let's remember our identity as his sons and his daughters that gives us the authority to carry out his will here on this earth. Let's recognize our dependence on God and know his faithfulness to meet our needs. And let's surrender to God, accept his forgiveness, forgive others the way he has forgiven us, and that we might live in good relationship with God, the freedom that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. I wonder if we might stand for a moment. calling us to be a people that will bring the kingdom of God down to earth. First of all, I just want to speak to anybody that has never experienced the love of God, that has not come into reconciliation of relationship with God. This morning there's an opportunity there's an opportunity for you to surrender to God this morning. For anybody that has perhaps walked away from God, that isn't living an authentic life the way that God wants us to live as Christians, there's an opportunity this morning to surrender to God and say, your will be done in my life. And there's an opportunity here for us to just respond to God. We're serious about wanting to see his kingdom come and wanting to see his will be done if we're serious about wanting to see as it is in heaven here on earth there's an opportunity for us to respond to say God use me use me in doing that thank you for the reminder of who I am in you I'm your child thank you for the reminder of the authority given through Jesus Christ to bring out and see the will of God unfold in my life, in the people I touch, I meet with, all around me. So I'm going to start this morning. I'm going to ask us to say a prayer. And just to, just to reconfirm our commitment to Jesus. 
maybe if we just repeat these words after me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death. And to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins and every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Lord and Savior. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and life help me to become a person more like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, God. If that was your first time ever praying a prayer, and you mean that you want to be reconciled to God this morning, I just ask everyone to close their eyes a minute. Just while everyone's eyes are closed, if you want to this morning, just say, God, Jesus, I want to accept you. This is your first time. And there's a team of us that really want to speak with you, to pray with you. So I just ask if you just raise your hand. If, if you are that person that just wants someone to pray with you, to, to know God in a, in a deeper way, to start your life walking in the will of God for you this day. Just raise your hand now. We want to pray with you after the meeting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to pray as I just close this bit for me. <laughs> I just wonder whether we might just confirm our intentions about being kingdom builders and wanting to see God's kingdom here. Would you join me in just saying the Lord's Prayer? But with intention, not just because it's something we know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive others who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father God, I just pray, Lord, each person here, I thank you, Father God, for the revelation this morning that we are truly children of the Father in heaven and that we know your will, God, to bring life, to bring healing, to bring deliverance here on earth, Lord God, that's your will. And this morning, I just pray for each and every person here that we will understand our authority 
that's been given to us through Jesus Christ, that we will rise up, we will take our place in bringing the will of God and the kingdom of heaven down here on earth, that there might be glory to Jesus Christ, that there may be salvation, that we will see people's lives transformed, that in this city we will see we will see a move of God that has never been seen before as the kingdom of God. We are the kingdom of God living out on earth as we begin to live through the power and the authority and see the will of God unfold in this city, Lord God. But your glory, your kingdom come. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Full of faith? Are you challenged? Are you inspired? Well, if you've got all of those things, then that's a good thing. Because you can go out of this place full of the power of God. There is a move coming. There's a fresh move of God coming never before. Get ready, church. Be ready. Be ready to see the kingdom of God pour out. I'll prophesy it again, that from the southwest of England, there is a move of God that's going to pour out into the UK and into the nations of the world like never before. And we are once more going to see people sent out into the nations, taking the word of God out, spreading the word of God, Seeing the kingdom of God built. Oh. And God, please, let us just be a part of it. Let us be a part of that small thing. Let us be responsive. Right now. Come on. Right now. If you want to be a part of that, say yes in your heart. Come on. Say yes out loud. Come on. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, when you say yes to God, he's going to take you to places that you never dreamed of. When you say yes to Jesus, he will help your eyes see things that you've never seen before. When you say yes to Jesus, let me tell you, the dead will be raised, the blind will see, and the power of God will work in and through you like never before. I promise you that. I promise you that. Thank you, God, for what you've done in this place this morning. And we pray, Lord God, continue to do. We know, Lord God, there is more to come. We know there is more to come. And we say, God, come, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Church, we just want to remind you that next week, in the evening, we're going to be holding our first Ascendance night. And that's going to be a night where we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. We're going to see what God wants to do and say. And uh, we just want you all to come. It's a time for prophecy. It's a time for, for prayer. It's a time for worship. There will be a time for individual prophecy. There will be a time for corporate prophecy as well. Lord. And, but we just want to, we want to allow God. It's not about us. Those nights are not about us. Let me tell you that those nights were about is seeking God and seeking what he wants because there is more to come. Amen. God bless you. Please stay for a